Paul writes this to the church in Corinth. What then is my reward? Just this, that in my proclamation I may make the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. What does it mean that he's saying that by proclaiming the gospel, he makes it free of charge? Why is Paul so interested in this idea that there is nothing that anyone can do in exchange for these liberating and life-giving words from God? Why is it so important that there be no exchange involved in this, simply free gift? Well, the reason is quite simple. For Paul, as for the rest of us, we understand that Christ is free gift to us, that this life is a free gift from God, that our place in this created order is a gift from a generous and loving God. And so if all these things are being given to us for free, free of charge, then the mark of someone who truly has faith in Jesus is that they be generous as well. There is simply no way to receive this message about Christ and then continue to live a life that is stingy and withholding. Rather, they will know us because of our generosity. Generosity is such an important thing, not only in the life of faith, but in the life of simply being a human being. Paul understood this, and early Christians exercised it and took it so importantly One of the reasons Paul is writing this to the Corinthians is to explain to them why he would not receive payment for the missionary work that he was doing among them. And indeed, no matter where Paul went, he would not take money from the people among whom he ministered. Rather, he would receive a gift from them to be able to go on and do the ministry in another place. It's as if they paid their dues to him so that he could then do the work for others, paying it forward. What a radically different way of thinking about economy. What a completely different vision of what it means to give and receive. In Paul's own ministry, there was no sense of exchange, but rather free gift and generosity. He did this because of who Jesus was and what Jesus gave the people he encountered. In the gospel passage today from the Gospel of Mark, we hear this long list of miracles that Jesus performs. But did you notice that he's never asked for anything in return from anyone? And the same would be true throughout his life. All the healings, all the casting out of demons, the beautiful sermons, even the fish and the loaves given on the mountaintop, nothing, nothing was ever asked in exchange for these things. It was simply pure gift up until those last days when he gave the greatest gift that he could have in his own life. When you step into this world of the gospel, you exit the world of buying and selling. There are no charges, but rather an endless and infinite flow of grace. You step into that flow and you move through it 
by being generous yourself. This is what Paul means when he says that the gospel is free of charge. The theologian Miroslav Volf teaches at Yale and wrote a book that was called Free of Charge. Wolf explores what generosity means theologically and what the art of gifting means to us in our current day. Wolf says that there are two effects of being generous, one for us personally, because you see, we're not really fully human if we're not generous. It's only by being generous that we discover God more closely and that we actually are able to act on our faith. And so in giving freely and giving a gift, you are not only giving something to someone else, but you are actually giving the gift to yourself, the gift of being generous. This generosity restores us to right relationship with God and to one another. But the second important point about generosity that Wolf highlights is that there's no way to be the collective people of God without being generous. It's actually what holds the whole thing together. When a group of people together decide to be generous, there's really no stopping them. But when a spirit of scarcity descends on a people, then things start to fall apart. Wolf wrote Free of Charge in the year 2005. Think back to then, 20 years ago. The things that we thought were problems then seem pretty quaint. But this is what he wrote about a society that abandons generosity. Left unchecked, the slide away from generosity ultimately robs us of significant cultural achievements on which our flourishing as individuals and communities depends. Let's mention a few of the losses a lack of generosity can put into motion. Without generosity, our economic system would falter, and the exchange of goods and services could easily become unsustainable exploitation of the poor by the rich. Without generosity, our democratic political system would decay and powerful interest groups would likely exclude much of the electorate and rule them to their detriment. Without generosity, our educational system couldn't be sustained. Nothing can secure the goods, the services of good teachers who are by definition, neither sellers nor takers, but givers who cannot be bought, even if they do get paid. The list could go on. You see, when we talk about the crises that we're facing in today's society, so much of it has at the root of its cause the fact that we have abandoned what generosity actually means. And rather than leading the charge morally, which is what the church should be doing, so often Christians are contributing to the problem. That's why it's so important for us to keep practicing generosity, to keep living as if the gospel truly were free of charge. Because without it, who else is going to teach everyone else how to do it? Wolf continues talking about this. He writes, we know it is good to receive, 
and we have been blessed by receiving not only as children, but also as adults. Yet Jesus taught that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And part of growing up is the art of giving. If we fail to learn this art, we will live unfulfilled lives. And in the end, chains of bondage will replace the bonds that keep our communities together. If we just keep taking or even trading, we will squander ourselves. If we give, we will regain ourselves as fulfilled individuals and flourishing communities. According to Wolf, there's actually a pretty simple remedy to so much of what is harming us right now. And that's simply to be generous, to give, to act as people who are free of charge. Unfortunately, Christians have not always been the leaders in the area of generosity. And I think that when we, the story of American Christianity in the 21st century is written hundreds of years from now, it probably won't be the happiest of stories. Of course, part of this is actually in our DNA as American Christians, because American Christianity has been used for a lot of ungenerous things in the past. This is the first Sunday of Black History Month. And when I was thinking about this topic of generosity and Christianity, I thought about the memoir of Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass escaped slavery and then went to live in a community in Maryland that was mostly full of religious people. He witnessed how the Christians among whom he lived, the white Christians, that is, treated the slave population there. And he had this to say, I assert most unhesitatingly that the religion of the South is a mere covering for the most horrid crimes, a justifier of the most appalling barbarity, a sanctifier of the most hateful frauds, and a dark shelter under which the darkest, foulest, grossest, and most infernal deeds of slaveholders find the strongest protection. Were I to be again reduced to the chains of slavery, next to that enslavement, I should regard being the slave of a religious master the greatest calamity that could befall me. For of all slaveholders with whom I have ever met, religious slaveholders are the worst. I have ever found them the meanest, the basest, and the most cruel and cowardly of all others. It's hard to imagine a stronger condemnation of people who were claiming to practice Christianity. But what I hear in Douglas's powerful words echoing out throughout the ages is a lesson, a lesson to the rest of us in this age. If on the one hand, we can see the incredible cruelty of so-called Christian slaveholders, who someone like Douglas would try at all means to avoid, then perhaps we in this time can practice Christianity in the opposite way, being the kindest, the most open-hearted, the most generous people, that someone walking in off the street and coming into this church or encountering any one of you in their own lives 
could ever hope to meet. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? Now look, there are so many reasons why we hold back from being generous. And we all know those reasons why. Prices are so much higher than they were even just a couple years ago. And we live in an economy that is really has the engine moving it of the idea of scarcity. So it's hard to be generous with our money sometimes. That's actually one of the reasons I'm so inspired year after year by the generosity of the people at All Saints. And the fact that our own stewardship campaign is, is not just about money, it's about giving us the opportunity to be generous, to be set free, to be people who are free of charge. And yet it's still difficult, we know that. It can be difficult to be generous in relationships. If you give something to someone or open up your heart to them, you don't know how they will react. And sometimes it can hurt to feel like your affection is unrequited. We can be not so generous with our time, with our patience, with our talents. We can see ourselves squandering them if they are simply thrown away on someone or something that doesn't deserve them. There are so many reasons not to be generous. And yet the reason to be generous is so much stronger. The reason to be generous with everything that we have is that nothing that we have came from ourselves. It all itself was a gift. And so the only proper response to it is to pass it on, to let it flow through you in that river of grace in which we are all standing. My own thoughts about generosity have definitely evolved and changed over time as I've gotten older and as world events have unfolded. And I'm sure you have a very similar relationship with generosity. These readings come up in the cycle once every three years, and it turns out that exactly six years ago today, we had exactly the same readings, and I was also talking about this very book, Free of Charge. And yet, as I went back and looked at my notes from what I preached six years ago, I realized that generosity has become even more important in 2024 than it was in 2018. I truly see no way out of all of the social ills that we are facing and out of the way that so many people feel disempowered or anxious. I see no way out other than to embrace generosity. It's what Jesus did. It's what Paul preached. And it's one of the things that we come together to practice each and every Sunday. So friends, if you find yourself feeling anxious or disempowered or trapped, if you are dissatisfied with the city and the community and the world that you live in, the way it is, take heart. There is something that we can all do. We can all approach the world as God's children, offering ourselves free of charge, just as the gospel is offered to us. We can be generous, generous of heart, generous of thought, generous of words, generous of affection, generous of time, 
generous of goods and money, and most of all, generous of love. So friends, be people who live free of charge, and you too will be heralds of the gospel. Amen.